Hello and welcome to the Ramen Profitable Podcast. My name is Atish Mazumdar and I'm here with my co-pilot, the great and powerful Chris Scott. And this is the podcast about testing out your ideas, taking your first steps, and really overcoming those obstacles on the way to entrepreneurship. Enjoy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on PTO for the next week. I am enjoying the vacation life. I've got a lot planned um, and a lot of time. For instance, one of the things I'm definitely engaging on, are you a, are you a Skillshare user? Uh, I am not. I've heard of it. I've never used it. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, let me let me ask you this, and this might be um, a loaded question, or there's a lot going on on this, so I'll I'll try to simplify down to like one type of thing. But um, I feel like you'd be a fan of, and and I know I am. Are you? What what are your thoughts on kind of these platforms that are making education for specific crafts sort of available? You know what I mean? So, for instance, Skillshare, they have a lot of stuff on. Um, web design and they have a lot of stuff on photography and they have a lot of you know all that kind of stuff and I'm seeing more and more of these uh, kind of online course managers sort of uh, popping up the the most high end of course being um, uh, uh, masterclass which right right actually gets kind of a negative review from me uh, because I bought um, as a gift I bought my mom one year's access uh, and then because of the, and I will say their, uh, their promo was very generous because at the time it was like the holiday season because I bought her one year's access. Then I got one year's access to something. So I was like, oh, great. And I did a cooking course and, uh, it was really good. But the problem is, is like, it's so high end exclusory. Like the, one of the, the, um, recipes that I was working with, cause I was doing this cooking course with Wolfgang Puck. And I find him a very pleasant German man. Um, but they're, on the ingredients, they're like, okay, so uh, for this particular recipe, we're going to be needing some uh, sea urchin and you know, whatever. I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I can't, I don't even know where to get that. I had to go, I, I didn't even bother with that. But I learned how to make some pretty good sashimi and stuff like that. But the point is, is that uh, Masterclass seems to only be really for people who are either very, very wealthy and in their 30s or um, people who are already like retired like my mom and Uh have a a pretty disposable income to, you know. So I I don't know if that one's really the best uh, one, but Skillshare seems to be a little bit more accessible. It's and I've only been on the platform for two days now, so I don't really know anything, but uh, it seems way more... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and this is where it'd be great if actually we had a Skillshare sponsorship because then I could g- give my honest feelings two days in and then I could give my honest feelings 10 days in and uh, hopefully we'd actually be getting money for an ad read. But this is free advertising for you, Skillshare. So That's uh, right. That's right. So this is free advertising for you. So far, it seems way more accessible. Um, there's way more course creators than there are for Masterclass because Masterclass also kind of naturally ties to just being about like the celebrity involved with you know because it's like Uh this very famous person teaches you this whereas you know i'm learning from some guy you know tom who wrote a book but you know but 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 therefore there's more course creators because it's not just exclusory to just who the uh celebrities are and and things like that or like the top people in the field but but what are your thoughts do you have any uh, opinions on these kind of like more accessible online courses and and 
the fact that it seems like there's a lot being made for uh, specific skills as opposed to, you know, university, which can kind of be broad. But I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, I, I do think there is something to be said of masterclass versus Skillshare. And, you know, people do buy, you know, biography books and they read up on their, you know, heroes, their celebrity mm-hmm. heroes, you know, people mm-hmm. they look up to. So it makes sense that that would be more a high end thing. And yeah. uh, I guess you don't, they don't really need to have as many specifics, but more about like their personality and their, their mojo and their, their groove thing that they throw on their whatever specific <laughs> skill set they have. Cause that's what, thing. <clears throat> that's what attracts people to their brand, their thing they create. It's them, yeah. the personality. So it makes sense that it's more personality based mm-hmm. versus uh, let's say more technical things. But then on the flip side of that, uh, the kids these days, they don't grow up with celebrity heroes like that. Mm-hmm. Their celebrity heroes are YouTubers and TikTokers and Instagrammers, right? Yeah. So I assume all these people on Skillshare are sort of that 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 niche of personality that people will flock to. Yeah. And I, I appreciate it because it does uh, feed into that idea that we talk about a lot, the thousand true fans. I mean, this yeah. is just another thing you can provide with more detail that's more exclusive, you know, it's exclusive access to you, which is what you're trying to get your fans to buy. Yeah. 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 That's, that's an interesting take. Actually. I I was actually, I was thinking of it exclusively from the consumer standpoint, but yeah, from the, from the uh, producer standpoint, or I don't know what you would call that, but yeah, from the, from the producer standpoint, it's like that, that is like an interesting sort of, uh, and, and I think you're right. Uh, specifically with the generational sort of gap there and, you know, TikToking, vlogging. Like, I think you're right. I think we're going to see more and more people now that it's very obvious that, you know, having a YouTube channel is actually a, a way to earn money. Make money, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I think you're right. I think we're going to see courses on YouTube channel maintenance and, like, audience building and, and maybe, um, you know, oh, here's how I started this kind of a business on Etsy or something like that. Like, I think more and more of that will become like a, a viable sort of career path, so to speak, as as we're kind of navigating this. I mean, COVID world and like more of a digital landscape. I think uh, the amount of people who uh, have started like streaming on Twitch or or doing something like that is just like massive. So so I think you're right. I think uh, you're going to see more and more of those. I don't know. I'm I'm a real big fan of these. Um, Alter, uh, I, I call them like alternative learning institutions, but that's kind of right. a vague term to mean what I, but I, I'm kind of a big fan because I think the problem is with, uh, and, and, you know, this is why, uh, <laughs> I, I'll probably never be allowed to speak at my high school ever again. I think we told this story on the podcast, but, but basically, you know, if you don't have a plan or if you don't necessarily, you know, if you don't know what you want to do yet or, if, you know, whatever, this narrative that, you know, oh, everybody has to go to college. And if you don't start college right away out of high school, then you're going to be late and then you're not going to blah, blah. I think that that's damaging. I think that that's a really bad thing um, because then you get people who just go into college and they're already paying, you know, minimum 10000 a semester if, and that's in-state tuition and, you know, whatever. It's it's generally more than that on average. Right. Uh, and you're, and so then you end up getting into this thing where maybe what you pursued as a degree because you felt pressured that you had to do something immediately, so you funnel yourself into some degree, and then you find out that ah shit, I don't really like this, or I don't really like the career paths that are coming from this. But well, I'm already four semesters in; I kind of have to finish now. And then you get spit out the other end, you know, uh, 
probably in debt and uh, without really understanding. And then, you know, a lot of people like, like I'm a case example of that. I got a degree in one thing and I ended up not doing anything with that per se. Um, it certainly helped me along to, to do everything that I'm doing currently. And I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. I, I want to make that abundantly clear. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people like I didn't go into university with a plan or anything like that. And it probably would have been helpful if I had just like explored some options first and, and been able to test and trial things without this really weighty, you know, monetary expense on the other end. So I'm, I'm really a fan of these learning platforms. And uh, for, for, you know, podcast listeners who aren't aware, my father is the uh, head of the physics department at a certain university. And I've been telling him for years now, I was like, this whole thing is a is a house of cards it's going to come falling down like it is uh and he didn't believe me but he told me the other day it was very validating to hear this actually uh he told me the other day that he's like well i think you're right i think now with covid it's like it doesn't really make sense why one university is charging you this much money versus another one when now our educate like our our ability to engage with students is the same it's all being done through a zoom screen our ability to you know the the source material the textbooks is the same and if the lecture that you're getting is through a screen as opposed to like you know because that was one of u of a's thing like oh we have noam chomsky as a as a lecturer or whatever but it's like yeah but now i'm watching him the same that i would watch youtube exactly you, you know what i mean so it's like the whole structure of it is kind of becoming a little odd so uh then there are these other companies actually you know what this is, <laughs> i'm realizing why didn't i just make a uh, an episode about this because i inadvertently like this conversation is making me realize how much I've been looking into this because then there are other organizations like um, Outlier which are actively creating courses like they're 300 to 400 bucks a pop course materials included which is uh, relatively inexpensive when it comes to but they're actually an accredited university so they have like oh here's a psychology course take this 300 bucks out the door and it's the same online learning institution, and you're taking it with a, a professor from Yale. It's like, I can't afford to go to Yale, nor did I even get accepted to Yale. But now I can take a course accredited that will transfer towards any degree-seeking institution from a guy from Yale mm -hmm. for 300 bucks. It's like, right. I think that's fantastic. So uh, there's that, and then there's other things like, you know, uh, this other uh, brilliant.org, which... Um, you know, man, God, I wish I was collecting ad revenue on all of this. This would be a great paycheck. Um, uh, that but yeah, teaches but you, no, like, it, it definitely does lead lead uh, that education. Kind of is now. Well, it's also kind of this whole: what is true education? What is true knowledge? What is mm -hmm. actual valuable education? Yeah. And so, I, I do feel like with these platforms, with Skillshare. Uh, what are you going to say? Brilliance? You're going to do a, a 30 minute rant on brilliance? Brilliance? <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was also going to do a plug for brilliant in the hopes that, you know, maybe they can funnel us some uh, some money. Or they're not they're not necessarily, let's say, PhD professors. I mean, they could be, but they couldn't be. But what you, they do have is something uh, it's like real world experience that you can do research on yourself. So let's yeah. say you're following someone on Instagram. They have a million followers. They provide content you think is valuable that resonates with you. So then you go to their class their course you pay whatever it is you learn more from that so that that's what is uh interesting about this whole dynamic that's happening yeah yeah agreed so this is a long intro and segue to uh <laughs> and various ad reads um 
into uh, I recently I used a discount code that was from another podcast uh, on Skillshare. So now I have two months of Skillshare for free and uh, I've enrolled in two courses to stay focused on, um, which honestly, I'm going to try and complete one within this week because as soon as work starts, there's no way I can track. Right, on, right. On both, but um, they had one that was a, a course on podcasting. So I was like, "Oh yeah, let's let's sharpen the blade a little. Let's <laughs> let's you know, let's do some learning uh, about this." And then, and then uh, the second was just on like uh, productivity and organization because I'm not a guy like I know what I need to get done for a day, but I don't make time blocks on my calendar. I don't you know do all this kind of stuff. I I used to be really good about writing a to do list, but I've gotten pretty crappy at that my digital files are kind of organized could be better you know mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so i'm trying to i'm trying to sharpen up on that as well but like it was, so skillshare is mostly a platform it looks like for creators of which i'm not exactly one um because it's it's a lot of like web design stuff a lot of photography stuff a lot of video stuff like that kind of thing um but uh uh, it also has a fair amount of stuff that, you know, is kind of more in my sector of it. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, let me, let me, uh, learn some stuff here. So, uh, some of those things, like obviously the podcasting one will probably be a little bit more general interest for what we are doing. Uh -huh. Um, but, but yeah, so I just wanted to hear what your take was on, on these like online learning platforms because I'm, uh, pretty, I'm pretty into a lot of them, but, but, uh, you're the, uh, creative type yourself and this kind of seems a little bit more geared for people such as yourself but uh yeah maybe we should make a course and do like a whole uh, series on it on the podcast talking about it that would be so meta i'd be so into that <laughs> like a uh, 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 course about podcasting while we're podcasting <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. i'm not mad at that i'm not mad at that um but yeah so actually and and that kind of leads me into a different kind of topic of discussion, but pretty related. Uh, I had this realization the other day, or not realization, that, that kind of props it up to be something that it's not. Um, I realized the other day that uh, I'm, there are accounts on Instagram that I follow. Like there's this guy, Finn McKenty. He um, is a great YouTube creator. He makes videos about he runs a channel called the punk rock mba and he makes channels all about uh like the music industry business and why these kinds of bands really grabbed hold and why this kind of stuff doesn't work and what's great about this front man and like he understands all that kind of stuff because he actually started working out working as a design guy at hollister but then uh pivoted yeah <laughs> but then uh pivoted into working in the music industry and doing a lot of design stuff for the music industry. And then also kind of working in like, um, business development for a lot of artists and a lot of labels and stuff like that. So he's got this really interesting take on a lot of stuff. Um, but he was doing a video on kind of his metrics and how he measures success on videos and stuff like that. And I realized I know nothing about, uh, what's called, I don't even know what that like professional, uh, social media accounts like i have a linkedin <laughs> I'll, I'll put it that way um and I'm it, a professional that, i have a linkedin I'm, I'm a professional i have a linkedin you know uh and that like has you know basically my resume and, and a headshot and stuff like that but there are also and correct me if i'm incorrect there are also professional pages for facebook and then also for instagram and uh, is there anything else you're using 
those are basically it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So there are professional pages on these on these um, platforms, I guess. And uh, let, let me ask you a very broad question first, and then we'll focus in. Broad question. Are or is any of the functionality on these professional pages, such as uh, 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 I don't know what they call it on Instagram, like insights, insights, uh huh, analytics. That's what's the what the professional page is called. Oh no, it's it's just called a business page. Business page. Okay. So, is the functionality of a business page either on Facebook or on Instagram or both? Are those is that functionality actually helpful? Do you do you actually use it? Is it important to you? It uh, that's a very good question. <laughs> so I, I would say within the last couple of months, well, we definitely I definitely have been looking at the insights more and more and seeing mm-hmm. what posts have been doing better, what posts have not been doing that well, and I do think it is. Uh, there is a value there that you just don't really recognize until you realize you need something. Hmm. So uh, just like, like, I don't know, I've, I haven't had a personal page in a while, but like, like your reach, like how far is your post going mm. out in the, the Instagram world? How many people have actually looked at your post? How many people are, you know, liking it? How many are engaging with it? It's just these, all these numbers, they, they present it to you in percentages. And it's kind of helpful, but also it's kind of uh, uh, nerve wracking because you're like, yeah. oh, I'm only at 12% this week. And I'm at, I was at 373, 373% last week. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why is that? What What's different from this week to last week? So it's, it's like, how do I get, how, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things where I think you can obsess over it, mm-hmm. but I think it's something that's not a hundred percent necessary, except maybe twice a month. Uh, okay. So tell me about that. Uh, twice a month, what makes you, A, what makes you come up with that figure and B, so first of all, it's, it's, uh, I think it's probably pretty important that you recognize that it's something that not only can you get obsessed about, I'm sure there are a ton of people out there who are obsessed about it. And, um, everyone keeps recommending me this, uh, this documentary called the social dilemma. Uh huh. Are you aware of this? I have, I've watched it. Oh, you have. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't yet. Yeah, yeah, Netflix documentary. Uh, so I could. So when you said like uh, this is something you can't obsess over, it's like I, I'm sure that's addressed somehow in that documentary. I'm not sure, but um, well, well, what, the documentary kind of talks about algorithms and how algorithms make your bubbles really small, and you're just mm-hmm. like in this echo chamber, mm-hmm. and how they purposely have divided people into these tiny little echo chambers. Yeah, and how that's why people are so you know extreme on their. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm blanking on it. Uh, I lost uh, it. Sandwiches. Uh, uh, polarizing. That's that's why everyone's so polarized. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So, uh, but the thing about the insights and the, and the analytics, it's more of a personal thing. It's more of a you take it as a uh, reflection of your self value or mm-hmm. your page's value, which is not the case at all. It's just yeah. your. It's just content. How people are there. And it's also the algorithm and Instagram and how they present things to people. So it's not all you, but it's something that you should be aware of at the end of the day. Yeah. So going back to your previous statement, you said uh, 
that you really check twice a month. What is that? What? Why twice a month? And and what does that mean in terms of like how you conduct your? Because I, I presume, and this is me making assumptions here, but I presume that this is because you're like, oh, okay, now I can track how th- things did across a two-week period because you're presuming that the first time you post something, maybe it doesn't reach, but it'll have this cascading sort of approach due to these algorithms or something like that. So you kind of check at two-week intervals, A, to save yourself from constantly being on top of this stuff and like always obsessing over it, as you put it, mm-hmm. but then B, also to... Uh, to kind of give yourself the the perspective of a longer run of like how you're actually tracking your your uh, recognition is the wrong word I- impressions I guess is that the sure that's a better word well I guess yeah. I guess let me ask you this you ever do a science experiment totally <laughs> all the time all right so when you do a science experiment and you're collecting data how often do you check that data or how how often do you record that data I mean it depends on the protocol right but. Uh, for me, uh, I'm used to doing stuff on a every two day basis. And then, how often do you reevaluate your approach based upon that data? Oh, sure, 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 sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm referring to like university pro- protocols, like when I was studying episodic memory and stuff like that. Uh, that we were kind of looking at like a scale of like six months. Right. So, so you would record stuff every two days yeah. and then every six months you'd be like, oh, maybe we should change this question or maybe yeah. we should fire this node at this neuron. <laughs> uh, I, I, I fire this person. <laughs> no, no, no. I have no idea what you did in those experiments, but yeah. I assume that also happened. So yeah. it, it's, it's more of a, uh, you can't really tell if your approach is working unless you collect data on it. Yes. And, yeah. And see how people can. And that's the same thing with Instagram. I mean, you could do thing for, things for three days and then be like, oh, no one liked all this stuff. I'm going to change mm-hmm. it all again. Do a, do a new week where you do three different things. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens. Whereas if you did it for three months, you could see if people actually uh, actually catch on to it and come back to it and follow it more. Mm-hmm. And if they let's say they like two of the posts, but not one specific type of post that you post. Mm-hmm. Uh, just take that out and change that one. So you're not, mm-hmm. you're, you're just looking at more data. And I think with social media, it takes time to build that audience. Yeah. And, you know, get, get your post in front of people or have people share a post. It takes time to get that to happen. Mm-hmm. And evaluating, I think, your uh, insights, your, your impressions on a daily basis versus every month, every couple months, every other week, I think mm-hmm. is, is what really can mess with your head. Uh, yeah. So, so if you start to look at things uh, in, in either view, right? Like if you start to look at things too narrowly focused and every day by day by day, you, you might end up missing. It's, it's like that expression, uh, can't see the forest through the trees or whatever. Like right. you, you end up missing the perspective of the grander scheme of things that like, oh yeah, it, you know, I, I actually don't have any examples for Instagram because I'm like not... <laughs> good at Instagram at all. Um, but, but you can, you can kind of see, uh, over time how things go, or actually if your initial outlay isn't, uh, isn't as reactive, but then because you end up connecting with these other, uh, through these algorithms, because you end up connecting through, or actually this is a much better question. And I don't know enough about how Instagram works to ask it properly, but I'll give it my best shot. I probably don't know enough about how it works either to answer it properly, <laughs> but we're both going to try our best. We're going to, we're going to give it the old college try. Um, 
So because you're, you're talking about how the algorithm ends up sec- sectoring off kind of all these like little small bubbles, right? Would you ever be able to see it at the granular level of data where you are posting within this lane, like within this singular small bubble, but then you get some sort of crossover effect because of, you know, who knows, somebody else, because of the engagement that you're having with it specifically, you end up crossing over into a new sort of territory. And then you find out that you are, you actually do much better in that territory, like that that engagement bubble than you did in, in the one that you normally are directed towards. Does that make sense? That does, that does make sense. So, so, and I guess with, if we put it in uh, business terms and the documentary, it's all politics, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. The documentary is a little differently focused. So uh, let's say that's, that's last week we defined your audience, right? Yeah. So it's, it's nerdy jujitsu people. <laughs> yep. Right. So, you know, and then uh, there was something you said last week that I thought was really funny was, um, we got to stay away from the MMA threads because those people are crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I guess what you're trying to say is, you know, let's say you're making content that would kind of appeal to the MMA crowd. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's say you go viral on that, but that's not really the crowd you want. Yeah. So let's say you re- let's say you rebrand, you redefine your approach to your social media, and then you start uh, appealing the nerdy jujitsu crowd more. Mm-hmm. So... I do think what you're trying to ask is, you know, you, this is where defining your audience and defining you as a brand comes into play because it really helps mm-hmm. you focus your attention towards the right type of bubble out mm-hmm. there to like get involved in, to have your content mm-hmm. circle around in. Because yeah, it could go here, it could go there, but at the end of the day, where are the most uh, likely, I guess, if you're looking at your Instagram to be a business or be a source of income, you need to find out where those people are that will buy whatever product you want to sell. Yes. So yeah, it'd be nice to be in all these bubbles, but if this one specific bubble is really going to are really your people that will really support you and purchase your products, that's kind of where you want to live and not really worry about the MMA Reddit thread. That's yeah, where they're monsters well, apparently. Yeah, no, it's it's a nightmare. Like it's a <laughs> It's all people calling other people filthy casuals and shit like that. It's like, ugh. It's I don't exhausting. even know what that means, but I, no, yeah, exactly. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah, it's it's not even worth going into. It's but it's just like that's the kind of thing that exhausts me on these social media channels is uh, all these like gate. I'm trying to think of what a what an example would be. It's it's kind of like imagine if you were posting to. Uh, um, like a, a filmmaker's Reddit or a filmmaker's, you know, whatever. And there was just a bunch of people saying like, oh, well, if you're using, uh, I liked stuff better back when it was, uh, you know, actually shot on film and not digital, that this digital stuff is just for filthy casuals. You know what I mean? It's that kind of stuff. Okay. That was probably a bad example, but. No, I mean, I think there is definitely a, a extreme conversation about film versus digital. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's all ridiculous. Yeah, it's all. It's like, well, did you like the movie or not? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it from too high of a level, and maybe that's exactly what's going on in the MMA channels. But actually, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Reddit because that's kind of what I mean. Actually, is that sometimes I'll see um, things get cross-posted. So, for instance, um, there's stuff that goes both into like creators will post both in our politics but then also 
post in our economics because it's it's like that it, it happens to be something that applies to both right and then in one channel they don't do so well nobody gives a shit you know and that's that's like let's just say our politics but then in our um uh economics economics i already forgot what i was talking about see that's both of these things are so far out of my circle that i can't even i can't even remember the the vague topic that i'm referring to but they'll end up doing a whole lot better and get a whole ton of engagement on the economics channel as opposed to politics so i guess what i'm asking is does that occur with these um kind of engagement bubbles on facebook or instagram or is it harder to kind of cross cross post is what i'm calling it for for uh reddit because i know how that works but i don't know if that if that's how it works with instagram or anything like that right i think it's the same thing but in instagram it would be hashtags and on facebook it would be who's actually sharing your post and all that yeah, stuff yeah, yeah yeah right so it, so the 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 mechanic is roughly the same it's just about how you go about doing it so like an instagram you have to find out like what are the hashtags being used by that community as opposed to this one right and then i can essentially be a little better about posting to them by targeting my hashtags towards their stuff right huh so but at the end of the day though do you really want to try and win over the r politics crowd if the r economics crowd is like super into it really super engaged yeah then, then like maybe that, so, so what you're saying, that's, this goes back to what you're saying that having a well-defined audience and knowing who the people you're trying to communicate with, because that would maybe tell me like, that's ah, it's kind of a wasted effort to go after our politics. Like our economics seems to love your stuff and they seem to be your target audience. Like maybe just post there. Right. And it's, and if your post, your post really resonates with that uh, audience, maybe your post really lean towards economics. So that kind of gives you. Maybe and maybe that's the thing you enjoy more about the article you wrote or the post you made. Mm-hmm. You enjoy the economics more than the politics of it. Yeah. So so now in the moving forward, you can be like, I can ditch the politics, which I don't really like, and mm-hmm. just focus on the economics, and it's going to be more uh, valuable content that you're going to create because you're feeling it more. So the cr- audience is going to pick up on that, and they're going to feel it more, yeah, and share it more, and read it more, and all that fun stuff. And, and this is where what you were talking about before for you, that kind of like two week check in comes into play because it's it's this is my experiment. I ran it. Here's my results. And this will kind of tell me you're on the right track or you're kind of still missing a little bit. Right. Exactly. Hmm. OK, so so that's the prime. It, like, is that the prime functionality of these professional? I, I keep calling them professional accounts. I don't know if that <laughs> means anything. Uh, that's what the is that primarily the function of these business accounts is that it tells you uh like these like is there any difference between insights and analytics or are those just buzzwords that are used by different platforms they're buzzwords used by different uh, platforms i think the thing about the business account and i think the reason why instagram provides these numbers is to Mm -hmm. psych you into buying ads i don't follow so, uh, like I said, like I had uh, like a fourteen percent increase one week, and then three hundred and seventy three percent the following week. Mm-hmm. That was a week I ran an ad for the Mummy movie. Mm. So, so it's like, oh, your numbers are way bigger when you're running ads. Run more ads, and your numbers will stay big all the time. Oh, run paid for advertising. Right, right. Oh, so they're also they're trying to. Oh man. It kind, so it's, it's kind it's, of like, uh, you know how like on the, when you're scrolling through the story and you have those ads for games mm-hmm, and they play mm-hmm. the game poorly, 
And you're like, you're an idiot game for playing that game so bad. And it kind of makes you want to download the game and play the game properly. And I'm like, let me show you how to do this right. Right, right. Yeah. I think I think that's what it is. I think it's that psychology that that's what they they're doing there. Yeah. So so in this case, like, oh yeah, your posts are doing fine, but look how well they did when you paid for advertising through our Instagram ad engine or whatever. Right. Uh huh. I'm sure there's a term for that or a, uh, a type of marketing for that yeah that's that's a little beyond me but i'm kind of interested in in uh, i mean it's it's a psychological push is what it is it's it's kind of like when uh uh i've got a buddy you know him he'll go nameless uh, i've got a buddy who's really into doing magic <laughs> yep yep okay uh, <laughs> i've got a buddy who's really into doing magic and it's like something that you sense all the time, or once you get used to it, at the first couple times, you end up falling for the trick. But then you start to, after you've been around it enough, you get you get what he's doing, where like sometimes he'll uh, be doing a trick and he'll say like, oh, pick a card and you pick one. And he'll be like, okay, you want to go with that one. You don't want to go any further. Like that's the one you whatever. And he's, it's it's what's called a push. He's basically forcing you to be like, oh no, I'll, I'll, I'll go, keep, keep going. I'll pick a different one. Because he didn't want you to pick that card. He wants you to pick a very certain one. So he's like, you know, manipulating you into doing that. That's essentially, that's your hypothesis with uh, Instagram is they're, they're psychologically pushing you into being like, oh, you could just post this kind of, which gets you, you know, 10% engagement or whatever, but look how good you can do with this. Like, don't you want this? Like, it's, exactly. it's kind of, yeah. I mean, hey, can't hate him for that. That's a, it's a pretty good, uh. So really, the, the difference between my basic account and a business account is being able to know who you're engaging with and and uh, kind of the numbers behind it and that that sort of thing, like how well your posts are doing. I think there's more benefits to it uh, that aren't really. I can't I, I can't recall because it's been so long since I've had a personal account, mm -hmm. but I'm sure there's more. I think it all comes down to promotions and pay, paid for advertisements. Those are all the benefits from it. But well, because the one thing I don't see for sure is how many people saw the post. That that I don't see at all, obviously. Mm -hmm. What I do see, though, is obvious, is how many people liked on it, who liked it and commented on it, right? So it's like that kind of basic level of understanding is at least still... Like, you don't need a, a business account for that if you're shrewd enough to kind of keep track of these things, you'll be able to know how many people liked one post versus another and how many people commented on it. And that is engagement, which ends up driving your uh, visibility, no? Right. Well, I don't know. It, it's, it's, I, I guess it all depends on your strategy. Did you, have you defined your strategy yet on your social medias? Me? No. So, I mean, you can definitely get lost in these analytics and these numbers and trying to mm -hmm. figure out the best plan to make these numbers the best they can be, which mm -hmm. is great. But what's really going to benefit you and your approach and your and your how what audience you're trying to reach? I mean, it's like uh, they can give you formulas to make it work, but as you know, sometimes you have to like go a little askew, go off a little off path to make your strategy and approach work. So. Well, I mean, if and also just the one of these really obvious kind of statements is true, which is that if it was if we had a perfect recipe of how to be a, a social media mogul and all that kind of stuff, it's like everybody would be doing it. Right. Like you, that's just a, an obvious sort of platitude. So 
what you're saying is, you know, you can have all the insights and analytics in the world, but at the end of the day, you need to be focusing on is your content actually good? Right. Is are the people that you're trying to address are you actually approaching them? And those are kind of the mainstay things that, you know, you can still try and follow these formulas, but at the end of the day, there are like larger scape issues that you have to contend with. Otherwise, it's never going to take off at all. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, just don't make crappy content. Yeah. That- make make specific content for the audience you want. And you're like two steps ahead of so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I'm kind of trying to to work out right now, because after our conversation, was that last week or was that the week before? Probably last week. It was probably last week. After our conversation, yeah, that was definitely last week, actually. Um, I've just been doing a whole lot of like I've been watching YouTube that is the same in the same. How do I say what I mean? I'm not trying to emulate anyone else's thing. I'm trying to have my own thing. But I'm trying to see because we we established like, all right, these nerdy guys who do jujitsu, uh-huh. where do you find them? So now I've been going into each social media channel. So the ones that I understand, at least because Facebook, uh, I don't understand for these purposes. Like it would have to be personally connected. No, or I don't know. Anyways, there are also like groups and that could be a way to do it. But I, I don't really understand Facebook in terms of a like use for business. I think I think the thing about Facebook is is if you're going for an audience of let's say older people, mm-hmm. that's where old people are living at the moment. Not old people, but elderly an elderly audience, mm-hmm. a more mature audience lives on Facebook. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It's like where do people your age hang out on the social media? I mean, Instagram, right? Uh, Instagram, yeah. And so, and let's say you want kids on it. Kids are hanging out on the TikTok, so that's where you would want to <laughs> the TikTok. Right. So that's, you know, it's kind of where uh, if if your audience is for a, a mature audience, live on Facebook and figure it out. But it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like you need to do that. No. And, and that's that's why I totally kind of cast that aside. I was like, uh, Good. I, I, I have a group that is for uh, people who go to my gym, but that's about it. That's the only functionality that I can see that I can get out of it. This allows me to have some sort of access point to all the people who I know locally. But anyways, uh, so I've kind of been trying to look for like where does my audience live or where do they post to on Instagram and on YouTube and on Reddit and what kind of content are they actually interested in uh, like looking at, you know what I mean? Right. And it's been difficult to pin down because the, the thing about um, – Reddit, at least, I kind of understand because that actually is the modality that I tend to work that like the narrow sort of lane that I tend to work in. Right. Mm-hmm. People who, you know, there's um, there's our nootropics and then I could cross post from there into our jujitsu and whatever. And so it's all people because what do they do on the jujitsu channel? People say, oh, um, how do people like break out their optimal training? Like, how do you balance learning new technique with also sparring a lot so you'll be competition ready and all this kind of stuff and then so people will be replying and posting they're like oh here's my week here's my week broken down into what i'm doing or bouncing or then there are people who are doing nutrition stuff and all that kind of stuff it's like yeah this really fits into kind of the idea of what i can like like it's the lane that i typically stay in right right? that that oh uh uh, here's a good protocol for, you know, if you, you know, if you're balancing out 
uh, more learning and training drilling based days versus your sparring days. Like flow roll would fit perfectly into your, into your learning day. So, you know, you can take, take it on days one, three, five, you know, whatever, and then mix in your sparring day. Like it would naturally kind of fit how I already do things. Like I type out guides for myself and I type out, I mean, hell, we opened up the episode about how I was uh, typing out a guide of how to compare one list price right. to another list price. Right. Right. So I do that already anyway. So I was like, okay, Reddit really kind of fits into, um, which is a dangerous thing because Reddit always has intimidated the shit out of me in terms of like posting to it because it also seems like it's, um, it's kind of like how uh, middle schoolers are just like the meanest people on the planet. You know what I mean? Reddit certainly has the ability to be like the, just the meanest people on the planet. And, and like super meta and they have their own inside jokes and shit like that. So kind of intimidating to post to, but Reddit at least makes sense to me. But I'm having a hard time kind of figuring out where I would fit in terms of the like my audience on Instagram or my audience on YouTube is a whole different thing. But I can see that there is that like my audience certainly lives there, but that that forces kind of a, a delta in in the content that I would produce versus the content that I actually watch. Does that make sense? Right. No, it doesn't make sense. Okay. Let me, let me rephrase (laughs) the content that I watch that would be in the same vein that attracts my audience is like, um, tri-star gym owner, coach for us, Sahabi, who will, uh, do, uh, here's, uh, me rolling for for 40 minutes or something like that. And now I'm doing a commentary. I'm narrating over the top of it of like his expertise because he's a brilliant black belt and all that kind of stuff. But you need a fair amount of like, like he has infrastructure and experience and all this kind of stuff in building that sort of thing. Whereas it's like, ah, I'd be putting out some really sloppy videos for like a while before, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's kind of a, well I'm, gest- I, well, I'm gesturing here, but I can't get across what I. It's like there's a there's a gap that you have to be able to navigate to be like good at video production and that sort of thing. So I know that my audience lives there, but I don't know if I'm the appropriate person to engage on that on that platform. Does that make sense? Well, it sounds like you are comparing yourself to someone that's been on YouTube for a couple years and yes. has a, like a full blown production crew. Yes, but at the end of the day, is their content providing value to the audience? Yes. Are they watching the videos because it looks pretty? Or are they watching it because of what he's saying or what he's doing on the videos? I mean, probably what he's saying and doing on the videos. All right. So I feel like people will forgive poor video production mm. 100%. Uh, they don't forgive audio as much. So it has, really? to sound, has to sound pretty, has to sound like pristine. So if you can get your content where it sounds good and it looks decent, I think you're fine. And then it comes down to the content. Is what is what you're creating providing value to your audience? And people are going to forgive quality or the production value of your content as long as the what you're saying and what you're presenting is good stuff for them to consume. Mm. So that, it's uh, you, get, you got to stop comparing yourself to yeah people at the top of their game mm-hmm. when you're just starting out. Otherwise, you're never going to get there. That's that's fair. I play the comparison game a lot. Um, and uh, to to use an old Chris Scott phrase that I haven't heard in a while, I need to break up with that. Um, yeah, so, break it up, break it up. 
Break it up, break it up. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I'm I'm looking at somebody who has already been doing this for years, who has uh, a production crew, who has he has a group of people who make everything and know knows how to cut everything all nice. Um, he also has like Patreon subscribers who pay a lot of money to you know have him do stuff. It's like he has an infrastructure. You're right about that. Uh, this is probably a super rookie question, but you said something interesting that I kind of wanted to double click on. Why is it that people are more willing, or and maybe you don't know, and that's fine. Why is it that people are more willing to forgive poor video or like, you know, that's something, but not poor audio? I don't know the real reason for it, but I just mm-hmm. know that audio is way more important than video. That's uh, interesting. Uh, there's a quote I heard once, don't know who said it, but he said the key to good, uh, the key to good lighting is footsteps. And so I think, uh, so like wa- someone walking down a hallway uh-huh. and you don't hear anything, but they look really good. And something's going to feel off. Like you need to, you need that audio cue be like, oh, they're walking, mm. you know? So there's something about audio that connects that just like completes the whole experience. Interesting. Man, uh, that's exactly the kind of like neuroscience thing I could geek out on because I'm sure there, there has to be some sort of connection because it's also very, that's kind of similar to this movie that specifically did, uh, it was some horror movie, I forget which one it was, but what they did was like, the, uh, you know when when you're filming um, like uh, The Lord of the Rings or whatever and they've got the guy in the green suit with all the balls? Uh-huh. Motion capture, I guess you would call it, uh-huh. <laughs> as opposed to a green suit with all the balls. Right. Um, so, so when they're motion capturing you, it's like it creates this digital image on screen at first before they like render all the other stuff and you know whatever. That's just kind of like a stick figure from where all the balls are placed, and it shows the motion of like what they're doing. And what this movie did in particular, they were like, so here's really interesting. Here's something that's really interesting. If you even look at just this stick figure, somebody would say, oh, yeah, that's a that's a person walking. Like, I, I can tell you that right now just because of like our brains are programmed to to know, you know, human motion. Right. And so then you do the same thing. You do motion capture on a dog and you just have a stick figure and people are like, oh, that's a dog because I know how a dog kind of mechanically works. So what they did for this movie, which was super interesting, was they sped up the motion of the like what was a normal human's motion, but they sped it up to make it like just unnatural enough to when they rendered like the digital image of like whatever it was, the boogeyman, you know, I I forget what it was exactly. Uh It didn't it looked unnatural to people because they're like, that doesn't look like a fucking person. That doesn't look like like I don't recognize that that biological motion. Um so what you're saying is that there may so so there's obviously something visually there that connects that that draws us in, but you're also saying that there's a connection between the the audio part and the visual processing, and therefore your audio has to be pretty tight in in order for people to to be able to like really respond and, and engage with whatever you're doing. Right. I mean, how many YouTube videos have you watched where there's like a really loud fan and you can barely hear the per- person talk? Uh, uh, Every once in a while, I've come across those, yeah. How often do you finish that video? Never. Right, because that sounds terrible. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's that, that's, I think, is the most important part of the content you're creating, mm. is that it's clear that whatever you're delivering can be consumed and heard well. Mm. Well, luckily, I've got this uh, Yeti Blue or Blue, Blue Yeti Blue microphone. Yeti. Yeah, look um, at that fancy microphone. 
Yeah, look at this fancy microphone. Blue Yeti, where microphones are sold or something. God, that's another ad read. Um, <laughs> there's so much money that's being left on the table. Um, which, speaking of, by the way, these are uh, commodities. They're commodities. Yeah, are, are you aware that, like, because uh, I was doing some uh, some meeting. So I've had to start using this for work as well. Really? Because Yeah, because I used to just be using these headphones, right? And it has, like, a mic bit right here. But this part broke. So oh. then people were like, oh, your audio is super, you know, to your point. Nobody was engaging on the meetings because my audio was really crackly and stuff like that. So the quickest response that I had was just to grab this and just start using this. And I caught a lot of shit because people were like, oh, Tish has got a boom mic in his fucking, you know, whatever. And I was like, ah, you know, whatever. It works. But some guy was telling me that uh, that I was on a meeting on. He was like, oh, yeah, those things have gotten really expensive. Like, that's that's a Blue Yeti, right? And he's like, yeah, those things are, you know, up to a few hundred dollars now because everyone's streaming. Wow. Like, everybody's doing YouTube stuff. Everybody's doing, you know, in Corona times. So I was like, oh, sweet. I've got myself a nice little commodity here, a nice appreciating asset. There you go. So uh, we can, you can resell it after yeah. Flow World goes after- big. Yeah, after after flow roll goes public and I don't need that anymore. Yeah, but so th- that actually is really helpful because that's that makes me a little bit less intimidated cuz like I said, Reddit fits the lane that I'm I'm comfortable with, right? But then if I also kind of want to I don't know, I think I think video content is probably the the number one right now. Even people posting videos to uh Instagram. But do you find that's not the case? I I do think video is definitely the case. I mean, you know the the app that's going the viral right now is uh, the TikTok, and it's all about quick little video clips. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if there's a way that you can create some sort of video expressing your Reddit post. Yeah, that you can share on another platform. That's that's exactly kind of what I was thinking. I was like, okay, how am I going to take what something that I already can like comfortably that that's like the mode that I'm good with, right? And now how do I stretch to do something that will maybe gain more public attention or more engagement or more whatever, but keeping keeping the good con- – because like you said, if it has good audio and it is meaningful, like if, you, if you're expressing something or if it's, if it's good content, you know, whatever that means, then people are more likely to forgive, you know, a little bit shittier video editing and stuff like that. So I was thinking, how do I, how am I going to port over the same quality into a different mode? And it seems like that would be the way to do it. I don't know exactly, like, I'm going to, I'm going to see, because, because that's sort of then, then I was thinking like, oh, how would I express those things in the post in a video that's not just like, like, you know, there's, there's like all these different kinds. There's the talking head, you know, thing where I'm talking right here and then following you know coach for us a hobby he's rolling with somebody and he's commenting over that i'm trying to like those are all things that i think are winning formulas but i'm still kind of knocking around ideas in my head about like what could be unique for this like i don't have to reinvent the wheel i could very much do those same things but since i'm starting from a different place because uh for us a hobby for instance started on video and that was that was his mode that you never since i'm starting somewhere else maybe i can use some kind of like the difference to make something different, make some kind of creative content that's a little bit different. So I'm still toying around with those ideas. I'm not, but but you make sure. a you make a Reddit post first, most likely, right? Right. That's that. So 
the way I was thinking about doing it was similar to what I was doing with LinkedIn, which is where uh, I started with LinkedIn uh, by doing those posts that are like, oh, here's this book that I read. Uh, and then here's uh, here's like the, the key summary, the key point summary from this book, you know, whatever. So I'm reading the stuff so that you don't have to, you know, whatever, and I'm killing a book a week. And then from there, I uh, took those and the people who were engaging with me on LinkedIn, so the people who were commenting, because the great thing, this is why that this works for like LinkedIn purposes, and this is why LinkedIn worked for me as a social media thing, is because if they're commenting back and you've now connected on LinkedIn, you have their email. Right. So then I pivoted to just sending these out by email as opposed to posting them on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn becomes the funnel to then get on an email list with me. Right. Now, what my end goal was for that, don't know, because now I'm just emailing people. <laughs> we should talk about that next week, setting goals for your social media strategies. Yeah, I feel like I kind of went cart horse on it because I Definitely, definitely. So you, you have I got this... actually great returns, but then it was like, oh, what am I trying to do here? I'm not actually sure. I so now I'm sending these like key point summaries through emails to people, but what was the end go- like like I should have been doing that to get them on my website or to do whatever, but none of that infrastructure was created. So now I've got a bunch of people on an email list that I have templates for that, that just go, but like I, I didn't create any <laughs> infrastructure. It's like, it's like, there's no, yeah, there's no ROI on this because I didn't set up any function for them to buy anything or subscribe to anything or d- like they're subscribed to my email newsletter. That's, that's a start, but that's top of the funnel activity. I need, I need the closing activity. You, <laughs> you know need, what I need mean? to figure out what that is. Right. Well, I think, uh, a big part of what you're doing is building an audience. So if yeah. you keep, if you continue to provide value to these people, they're going to still be on your list in a year when you have actual things to sell. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, that's the hope ultimately. But so, and, and, you know, those are the things that I do have analytics on is like how many people still exist on this super basic email listserv that I have. And it's actually kind of remarkable the, cause there's a lot of initial churn because um, I specifically reviewed a couple business books that were like hot at the time. Like Atomic Habits was the first one that I did, and that one was really hot at the time. Um, I did that one, Never Split the Difference, with Chris Voss, the negotiation one. Uh, I did like a couple like that. And then so then what I said was like, oh, if you subscribe to this email thing, through my LinkedIn. So, so I was posting this on LinkedIn, then you I'll send you the, uh, and this is all manual, by the way, I'm sure that there's a, there's a automated way to do this, but I'm, I like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so then manually, if people, uh, would basically click through that link on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn provided all of that, uh-huh. then it would just pull their email from LinkedIn over to my Gmail. And then I would send them the, the book reviews on those on those specific hot business ones. So there was a lot of initial churn that I saw. Like this is the level of insights and analytics that I'm actually comfortable with. There was a lot of people who subscribed just for those and then dumped, you know, as as soon as like I was posting other stuff. But right. there's a fair amount of people who actually stayed. And so what what I think you're saying is like those those are the audience members. Those That's are the your, fans. those are those are the those are uh, 
the true fans that are kind of yeah in the world yeah yeah so you know and and the problem is hmm yeah yeah i really just didn't build any infrastructure to like go beyond that and now the the problem is is i didn't another problem is that i didn't automate any of these actions so i'm still stuck in this recurring loop where i'm like okay i typed out this content i edit this content and then i manually send it out and that kind of stuff should be happening in the background because then I can actually create the infrastructure to build something that my fans can do or, or want. Right, right. You know what I mean? But instead, I'm stuck in this cycle where like uh, – and, and we're closing on the year because I said I was going to read 52 books this year. It's actually going to be a little shy of that because the Count of Monte Cristo took forever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, – but that was the whole reason, and that's why I was sending out. So that's why I started posting these things. But now it's like, okay, I actually have like, you know, 20 some people who actually still subscribe to this who are like ported over, which is not a lot, but also gives me some kind of idea of like, okay, so what is the end goal? What am I doing here? Right, exactly. And I didn't do that because it was the end goal for me. It was like, oh, I'm going to complete this challenge of reading 52 books in a year. But it turns out that people actually like when you do that stuff. Yeah, there's all sorts of uh, like cha- like doing challenges, doing reaction videos. It's like a, a weird thing that people connect it's with. It's yeah. a thing. Yeah. Like reaction videos have pretty much like I'm sure they were a thing for a long time. But during quarantine, they've exploded, man, all over my YouTube feed. There's like this kind of person reacts to this video or reacts to this product or whatever. And it's, it's wild. So people getting other people's take, like I have to assume that's what's going on with this book thing is that either they like the idea of the challenge. So then they're emulating it for themselves Mm -hmm. or they like the idea of like, Oh, he's breaking down all this content. Like I want to read his breakdowns. And so then that keeps them recurring users. Either way, I certainly should have figured out like, what do I? Because that's not even connected to flow roll, but it's like. <sighs> well, no, it's it's just something you stumbled upon, which is you know something that happens a lot with yeah putting and things on the internet, yeah. Right, and so that's kind of where my ideation with flow roll sits in that doing these kind of long form uh, like write ups or or you know that that's something that I already do. So if I was to figure out like doing that on Reddit. And then the question is, how do I port that into a more like visually stimulating medium? That's kind of what the idea is. Right. I would definitely take your long post, maybe do a recap under 60 seconds because that's the Instagram length of video on the Mm. feed. But you can also make Instagram television stories that are longer. But I would definitely do like a 60 second recap. If you do something that's longer, maybe make a YouTube channel with just your... uh, vlog thoughts for the week yeah because i mean i have to figure that uh one of these laptops that i have sitting right here can probably record in decent like hd probably sure i mean it doesn't really matter because you're gonna sound really good with your blue yeti right i've got my blue yeti (laughs) i'm gonna sound super crisp and clear i'm not gonna do like i do on this podcast or, or like i did in the early days specifically where i start talking over here but i need to be talking over here you still do that but uh but but just just you know it's not diluting your content it's kind of like refining it to Mm -hmm. just something that's more digestible on the different platforms 
So let's say Reddit's going to be at like the full read. Yeah. But on Instagram, you want to get them to the full read or give them the highlight. So this, these are the five takeaways from this week or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just a, a very quick, but then point them in the direction like, and if you want to learn more about blah, 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 you can find that over here. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, shit, you've given me a lot to think about. And uh, sounds like I... Uh, Today, Sunday, I, I like planned this out. Yesterday was just an absolute um, mess because I came out to take my dog to the park and I had like a mega flat tire. Like, wow. a just, yeah. And I was like, has my tire been flat for? Because I haven't been driving at all. I'm not, I'm working from home and then I take the bike to the gym. This one right behind yeah, me. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I take the bike to the gym, so it's like I haven't really been driving all that much, except for occasional trips to the stores. So then I was like, "How long has my tire been flat for?" And I just did I just not notice? Have I been driving to the store because like on a on a flat? I don't even know. So my day just got super disrupted uh, by having to go to the store and do all that kind of stuff. So I just like wrote it off. I was like, "All right, you know what? I'm calling this one. I'm gonna have a few beers." I had a few beers uh, and, and we just called it a day. But so I specifically said that like, all right, today I'm going to set myself up for a like productivity day. Um, so I can, I can feel a, a long post of brewing. I'm uh-oh, uh-oh. stretching out my, my, my typing fingers. Um, so, so that's a, uh, you know, I, I really have nothing to plug, but, uh, man, you've given me a lot to think about on this because this sounds like a very natural, like, yeah, it's like I need to take something that I already have like a marginal amount of success with, port it over to what I'm trying to accomplish. And this time, don't forsake the infrastructure of what I'm trying to do, but like build an audience while doing that, essentially. Right. Mm. And they'll be along on the journey with you and they'll grow with you and they'll be like, oh, I remember when it was just him and his HD laptop camera. <laughs> and now he's got a whole crew with him at the gym while yeah. he's... You know, snorting brown powder. <laughs> yeah. Call it, calling it flow roll. Calling it flow roll. Hey, you know. Uh, I don't think like, you, you don't snort it, right? No. Oh, okay. God, no. Okay, oh, God, good. no. I mean, I haven't tried to be specific. So uh, I guess I guess I haven't ruled it out entirely. But, but to me, it sounds like a very unpleasant way to do things. I don't get it. I don't get the nose stuff. Uh, you know, I don't really get the nose stuff either. Um but that's also that comes from a person and, and I know that this is going to sound like a ridiculous thing to say after I t- talk a lot about nootropics and stuff like that but it's like I just get worried about messing with my brain because it's the one thing that like connects me to consciousness and like when I go to sleep at night right and this might be getting a little too philosophical for this <laughs> for this podcast but when I go to sleep at night I f- for all intents and purposes disappear from existence right and I only get brought back into existence by my brain doing the right shuttling of neurotransmitters and getting the right electrical activity. It's like, I get really nervous about, you know, uh, anyways, you know what? <laughs> we'll scrap where that one was headed. Do you have anything to plug, anything you're working on at the moment? What's what's the latest and greatest? Oh, just uh, follow me on Instagram at Elephant Scout, and we're gonna start doing some stuff on there soon, hopefully. Start doing some stuff. And I just don't like getting water up my nose. Oh, sure. 